Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast. We're in our series, What Is Jesus Doing? And we want to know what he's doing every day. We want to walk with that deep connection with the Spirit. So we're going to talk about Jesus walking on water. And I want to connect that to walking in the Spirit. You really can and are called to walk in the Spirit. And that's just not trying to be a good person. It's really walking in the spirit. What was Peter lacking that caused him to sink after he was doing so good walking on the water? Hey, come on, let's talk about that. Let's get right into How are you? Thank you, Stephen. Give it up for Stephen. Say thank you, Stephen. I'm I'm beginning to think I got to stop singing in the second service because my voice getting a bit growly. But I can't stop. Praising his name, I just can't stop. Praising his name, I just can't stop. Praising the name. So we got a little guy. How many of you have ever done this? You were out by yourself, you had a ball and you had a bat, but didn't have anybody pitch to you, so you tossed the ball up yourself and boom, hit it yourself. The only problem with that is if you hit it, you had to go get it. Yes, that was, that was a drag, eh? Works better if you have at least one person out there that can chase the loose ball, right? You know, there's this little guy, and he had a ball, and he had a bat, and he said, man, he said, I am the best batter in the world. He threw the ball up, and he, whoo, he just missed everything. He said, well, grabbed the ball, picked it up, threw it up. I'm the best batter in the world. He missed everything again. He says, well, that's two strikes. So he threw the ball up one more time. He said, I'm the best batter in the world. And he picked up the ball, and he said, I'm the best pitcher in the world. Sometimes you just got to change your mind. It's all about your mindset. It's all about how you view the thing. Amen? We're going to talk about some mindsets today. What is Jesus doing? How many people got your wristband? You got your wristband on? Three people. I did some house visitations this week. Some people are in detention. But you know, what are we doing this for, Pastor? What's going on? I really do want you to, with this, may seem silly, but I want to frame a mindset in this congregation that Jesus is with you every day, that you're walking in the fullness of the Spirit every day, and everywhere you go, you are a dispenser of heavenly favor and gifts. The kingdom is absolutely overflowing. Even unconsciously, the kingdom is overflowing the banks of your life. I've been sitting having dinner with people and just you know enjoying ourselves and doing stuff. I've had people come over to ask, who are you people? Who are you people? Because you just look like you're doing life different. And and you're just living life, but you're manifesting kingdom. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You know, I want you to know everywhere you are, God is working in and through you. I want you to be conscious and aware that God has divine appointments and opportunities for you. So we want you to be aware of what is Jesus doing. I'm going to read you a story today, and this is kind of Angela on the way out last week. She was telling me that she had her wristband on at work, and somebody came over and looked at it said w-i-j-d what's that all about she said oh the church i go to uh, we're all wearing these because we want to always be aware of what is jesus doing and the lady responded well he's walking on water <laughs> and angela went uh right and they said i didn't know what to say pastor i was just kind of stuck i i didn't know where else to go i felt like a door open i was just like jesus is walking on water right so i said boy I got to preach on Jesus is walking on water. Amen? 
So what are we doing today? We're talking about Jesus walking on water. Matthew 14, 22 to 35. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples. He made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him and go to the other side. We're going to the other side. Folks, folks, folks. Impact Church, we're crossing over into something significant right now. We're going to the other side. There's something big that God is doing, and he's invited us to come on, and he's making us cross into a really a fresh new realm of his purpose. He really is. He really is. Come on, let's go to the other side. He dismissed the crowd, and then he dismissed them, and he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray, and later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. It was being buffeted by the waves. We got another storm. We got a, a crisis here. We got a storm coming out of nowhere, and the wind was buffeting them, and the wind was against them, and shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Hello. First service, I just walked right off the platform. I had my eyes closed. I went, whoop, there's nothing there. That would have been awesome, eh? It would be great if I just kept walking right across. Hey, Jesus, in the middle of a storm, wind, he's up and down on the waves, and he's walking on the water. So, of course, they're like, what? When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. See, in their world, and guys who ran those lakes had people who died in storms and things. And they thought their ghost would be wandering around. And if you saw a ghost, it meant you're done. You're doomed. You know, you're crossing over, not to that side, but that side. And they were like, wow, they were terrified. This is it. We're goners. But... Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Or literally what he said is, I am. I am, take courage, I am. I am that I am. I am, the great I am is walking towards you. Don't be afraid. Lord, I love this. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Lord, if it's you, and I love this about Peter. Peter had an open mindset. Peter had a, a mindset where he was willing to try something new. He was always, you know, willing to throw some effort somewhere. But here's Peter, sure enough. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out of the boat. Tell me to come and walk on the water. I mean, if it's you, you're the great I am. Tell me to come and walk on the water. And Jesus said, come, come. And then Peter got out of the boat. Do you understand this? There's really a boat. There's really a storm. And Peter, a real guy, historical situation, a real guy. These aren't just little Bible stories to tell kids to, you know, you're going through a tough time. Jesus will be there for you. Yes, he will. But there's way more going on here. Peter actually puts his foot over the side. He's got to put his foot on a lake, on a storm that's tossing up and down. The boat's up and down. It was probably hard enough just to get out of the boat. But he puts one foot down and his foot stands firm on the water. Then he puts the other foot down and it stands firm on the water. And Peter starts to walk towards Jesus. He's like, yes, I'm awesome. Woo, look at this. Woo, I'm surfing in a nasty storm. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, came. But when he saw, say when he saw. I don't know what he saw before. Clearly, he was in a storm. Clearly, there was some difficulties. I mean, clearly, he saw Jesus. He saw, so it wasn't that he couldn't see, but, but somehow there was a different sense of seeing. He, he began to see in a different way. He began to look at his circumstances in a different light, and suddenly he saw the wind, and he was afraid, and he began to sink. And Jesus said, 
Nice try, Peter. See you in the afterlife. Whee! He began to sing, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Come on, Lord, save me. You ever been in a nasty situation? That's all you do. Lord, save me. You know what? He'll always save you. He'll never let the righteous fall. He'll always save you. He watches over you. He doesn't slumber or sleep. He cares for you. It's not a single time when the Lord's not going to be there for you because he is faithful. It says even when you're not faithful, he is still faithful. Clearly, Peter got distracted by the storm. Clearly, something happened in his sight that suddenly he said, this is nuts. I am in a place of unbelievable danger and something else happened to his operating system. But Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and he said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? So Jesus explains the problem here and he says, the problem is, Peter, that your faith was little. Your faith got distracted. Somehow you allowed doubt to come between you and my word. How many know if Jesus says come, you can come? Can you walk on water? Well, I don't know if you can walk on water, but I do know this. If Jesus says, come and walk on the water, you can walk on the word of God. And even if it's water and storm under your feet, the word of God supersedes all of that and you'll be walking on water. If he says, come, his commands are always yes and amen. So Jesus said, come. So here's Peter out walking on the water. But Jesus said, why did you doubt? Why did you let these circumstances, why did you let the trial, why did you let what you had already seen become now bigger in your vision than me? Why did you suddenly decide that me standing in front of you in the storm, the storm was greater than my word to you to come? Why did you decide to press down my word and elevate the storm? Why did you decide that I'm going to change the parameters of this whole thing and I'm going to no longer step in the supernatural? I'm going to act like I'm a natural man and I'm going to be impacted by this world just like everybody else. Why did you doubt? When he climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And they said, Peter, you're such a loser. They didn't say that. They were all in ridiculous, incredible awe. When they crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, say recognized him. Folks, people got to recognize Jesus. And people got to recognize that Jesus is here. When we gather, people got to know that Jesus is in the house. And I'm expecting that we're going to just make it so absolutely clear that Jesus is in the house. That you know what, whatever storm you're in, we can help you to walk on water. Whatever circumstance you're in, we can help you to supernaturally rule over that situation. It might be evil, it might be nasty, it might be one of the darkest things, but I'm telling you, Jesus can conquer every circumstance and every situation, and his word and his promise to you is yes and amen. I don't want to be a place where we have little history lessons, little things that, is rife luff? Is rife luff? Is rife, is rife luff? <laughs> is rife luff? Is life rough? Is, is rife luff? Anyways, that was good. Anybody with dyslexia, you're healed right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm telling you, I want to see, I don't want to be just churches we sing about him, have history lessons about him, and hope someday he gets us out of this mess. But a people that truly walk in the revelation that we are the sons and daughters of God. That we really are people that can calm storms. We can walk on the water. We can, we can settle the situations and issues in this natural world. And we can call on the kingdom of God to manifest powerfully in all of these situations. Hello. 
And I want to see that. That's why I'm doing what is Jesus doing, because I want to see this in all of it. They recognized him. And when they recognized him, they sent out, listen, listen, listen. They recognized him. And when they recognized him, they went to the hospital and got out their sick relatives. They went, went and got everybody they knew. They phoned all around southwestern Ontario and said, I've recognized Jesus. He's in the house and he's moving in people's lives and things are shifting and things are changing forever. I found a church that's just got a pretty cool worship ditty. I found a place that just does this a little better. They got, their coffee's really good. No! I found a place where God is moving mightily and where Jesus is taught and where the power of God is being loosed like a mighty river. You just walk in, you get whacked over the side of the head, you get delivered and set free. Bam! Because there are people who really believe that's for today. That's for today. Jesus didn't come to get us into heaven. Jesus came to get heaven into earth and they really believe that and they're walking in it right now. Crossed over, they recognized him and they sent to all the surrounding areas, begging them that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. These gospels, these stories about Jesus, they were not told just so we could say Jesus was God. They were shown to us as examples of how we could live. They were shown as examples. When you see the story, don't see Jesus, see you. Put your name in there. And Jesus, when they recognized Jesus was there. See, when Carl got there, everybody recognized there is an anointed child of God with the authority to demolish all the powers of darkness. Somebody is here to set my life in order and set things straight. And they have access to the very kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is in full demonstration. Wherever they go, God is with them, demonstrating his power and his glory. Please, settle down. That's what's going on. So listen now, Peter, listen to Peter. Now, Peter, look, look what it says. Peter didn't have the internal belief system to support the activity. Peter didn't have the internal belief system to support the activity. So he got out of the boat. He stepped out on the command of Jesus. But then suddenly, suddenly he began to think. And he said, what am I doing? And he didn't have a supporting belief system. When he pressed back into his mind, he pressed back into his life, he found out that I don't have enough support there to do this activity. Are you following me? See, 5% of your activity is with your conscious mind. 95% of everything you do comes out of your subconscious mind. So with your conscious mind, you could make a decision, I'm going to give this a go. But while you're in the middle of it, you start thinking, and you have this little window, the analytical mind, between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. And when you start thinking about that, you start to go, what am I doing? And then when you press back into your subconscious mind, and your brain is looking for something to hinge on so that your behavior can be supported, Peter pushed back, and there was nothing there. And when he pushed back, he had nothing to support him. And when he pushed back in his brain, suddenly he flew back into his conscious mind and said, I'm in serious trouble here. I have no support to do this. Do you follow me? That's what happened. And sadly, the body of Christ, we can come, we can hear a sermon, we can sing a song, we can feel all bold, we can feel all ready to go. We're ready to do this. And then woohoo, here we go. And then I laid my hand on the sick and they're still sick. I commanded the blind to be healed and they're still blind. I commanded the lame to walk and they're still not walking. And there's a lot of stuff not happening. So what we do is we just shut it down and have kind little Bible lessons, sing a few songs, let's all go home and behave, behave ourselves. No point in getting disappointed. It's time. I am a child of God. 
It's time to really manifest who we are. The world, all of creation, is groaning for a revelation of the sons and daughters of God. So it's time. Hello. Thank you. If you don't really believe in the conclusion, the outcome will always be out of reach or a struggle. If you don't really believe in the conclusion, the outcome will be out of reach and it'll always be a struggle. So Peter, Peter thought about his actions and there was no belief system in his subconscious mind for his conscious mind to connect to and therefore he began to sink. What did he see? He saw the same stuff he saw before. But as he got on his journey of walking on the water, he had nothing to sustain him. Jesus hadn't changed. Jesus is still there. The command is still the same. But he had no structure, no belief system to start to walk in that. Hello. All right. Mark 9, 22 and 23, have mercy on us. Help us if you can. This is where Jesus comes down and there's a demon-possessed situation. Boy, those demons are strong, aren't they? Boy, they take over a person and control them. Isn't that wild? You know why demons control people? Because people are in charge. You know why demons want to possess people and they want to possess structures and they want to uh, put the, be ruling behind strongholds and systems and governments and things? Because people are in charge. The people are actually in charge. It's just sadly they're aligning themselves with demonic systems and demonic mindsets and all those nonsense. Demons aren't powerful. They're only as powerful as they can get. The people believe they're powerful. And God is almighty. But you know, God almighty set up a system where man is in charge. Man is in charge. You're in charge. You're in charge of your world. You're in charge of this world. You are a steward of all the good things of Almighty God. You are. That's why the devil's fighting to possess him, and, and God is graciously calling out, whosoever will, do you want to manifest the kingdom? And when we get to align ourselves with who we really are and start to operate out of that and walk through our every single day, waking up, putting our feet on the ground and not living out of our memories and not living out of the past, but opening our heart to new beginnings every day where God can show up in power and authority. So he said, what do you mean? He, I love this translation because he's not saying, he didn't say, if you can do anything, do it. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus responded, what, what did you say? Did you say, if I can? I mean, is that where you're at, really? You're at, well, let's pray for some sick, and if he can, he'll heal a few. Let's see what happens. If it be your will, oh God, heal a few of these poor people. They're struggling. You know, they're not bad people. Some of them were taught Sunday school. One lady drove somebody to church today, throw her a bone, give her a little healing. I think sometimes we think we've got to qualify for this stuff. You know, it's a free gift. God did it. You know what you've got to do to qualify to be healed? Don't deserve it. Does so anybody don't deserve being healed? You qualify. It's yours. Just say, thank you, Lord, that you are so ridiculously kind. You know, boom, he wants to do it. He wants to do it. So we got to believe that God is ready to do these things. He said, what do you mean if I can? I mean, is that really where you're at, if I can? It's not if I can. The if I can, that's not the problem here. If I can, am I able? Am I powerful? Can I shift this thing in a moment? Absolutely. I created everything. It responds to my voice. The question isn't if I can. The question is, anything is possible if you can believe. Stop running around the room in absolute glee and joy. Let me read it again. You ready? And this is for you. You ready? Has anybody got an anything? Has anybody got a couple of anything you're working on? Would anything be good if it changed in your life? Has anybody got anything that you'd like to see shift? Anything is possible 
if a person believes. Well, that's offensive. You're pushing it back on me. Yes, I am. Because the scripture is. The problem is that right now you're not trying to drum up your belief. The problem is that your subconscious has been dumbed down by false teaching and brutal experiences and you're more conditioned to not see God move than you are. In fact, you're more likely to believe a demon could move than God could move. We got to be ridiculously conditioned that God is ready to act. Everything necessary for me to walk in my authority and my power as a child of God, it is done. The question isn't, can I walk on water? The question is, why am I not walking on water? Pastor, settle down. You start telling people to walk on water, the kids will be filling their bathtubs and trying to dance on it. I mean, what do you think you're doing? People will drown. They'll run to the beach and go, I'm walking on water. Anything is possible to him who believes. Listen, here's a quote from Charles Karen. I love Charles Karen. He says, the miraculous life should typify every ordinary Christian life. I don't even like the idea of ordinary Christian. But what he's saying is, here's the definition of ordinary Christian. Miraculous and supernatural permeates every aspect of their lives. That's an ordinary Christian. Ordinary Christians are people who walk in the supernatural. The miraculous flows out of their lives. Look, another miracle. I'm not surprised. That's ordinary. Ordinary for a believer is heaven invades every circumstance of who I am. I'm not begging for God. Please get involved in my life. I've got a clear revelation that if God is for me, who can be against me? And you know, if God is with me, he's given me all power and all authority over every work of the devil. Nothing shall harm me. I'm a simple individual who just believes the word of God. Can I get an amen? All right, I got to go. I got to go. Can you say I got to go? I got to go. All right. So we must discover that the trans-earthly kingdom of God is a spiritual dimension that comes from another realm and seeks to impact us in this earth zone. When we fail to recognize this, we fail to apprehend the fullness of kingdom power that Jesus provided for us and intended that we use. Bill Johnson, one of my favorite quotes from Bill. It is abnormal for a Christian not to have an appetite for the impossible. It is written in your spiritual DNA to hunger for the impossibilities around us to bow to the name of Jesus. Well, I don't mind struggling until he comes back. You don't understand. That's not his plan. That's not his will. That's not what he wants. That's why, see, I like that song. Even he saved me to stand here and sing. He saved me, reconciled me to stand here and declare. He saved me so that I can be a testimony and a witness that God is back. He's in charge. He's given me authority and things around here are going to change once and for all. Sickness, you got no right. Poverty, you got no right. Lack, you got no right. Addiction, you got no right. We don't have to struggle along with these things. And Well, when Jesus gets back, he'll make it okay. No, we got to deal with this stuff today. Today. Right now. How are you? Are you okay? Are you okay? Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, they set their minds on the things of the spirit. So flesh, flesh is just flesh. Flesh isn't bad, it isn't good. It's like a refrigerator. How many have a bad refrigerator? How many have a good refrigerator? Well, you could have one that's better than another, I suppose. But a fridge is just a fridge. It's just an object. You put stuff in to keep it cold. Your flesh is just a meat sack that your spirit lives in. 
Everybody got a meat sack. But see, if you're focused on the meat sack, Peter got his eyes on the meat sack. My meat sack can't walk on water. What am I doing? Well, what Peter didn't understand was that when you start walking with Jesus, you start being a child of God, your meat sack has to submit to your born-again spirit. So you can walk as just a meat sack, or you can walk as a spirit who's been quickened and born again with supernatural DNA, and you can start to walk in the power and the majesty of God. You don't have to walk in the flesh. You walk in the flesh, it leads to death. That's what happens. And it's not that you're doing bad stuff. Here's some bad stuff. Here's what walking in the flesh is, not operating in the supernatural. That's walking in the flesh. See, we think that, well, we're all of sin and done bad stuff and fallen short of the glory of God. No, here's what sin is, to fall short of the glory of God. You can fall short of the glory of God by saying, well, I don't care what he says, I'm not doing a miracle. You know what you just did? You've resisted God's plan for your life. And you know what it is to miss the mark? God says you are powerful, you are mighty, you are free, you are the king, you are the head and not the tail. You are always above and never below. That's who you are. Well, thank you, Jesus. I'll wait till you get me to heaven, but right now I'm going to live in Struggleville my whole life. That is sin. It's a sin of omission. It's a sin of unwillingness to be who God called you to be. Hey, pastor, love your preaching today. What is Jesus doing? I don't know. How am I supposed to know what Jesus is doing? Because he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. Everywhere I go, I am a walking, living, breathing connection to the supernatural realm. Hello. It's abnormal for you not to hunger every day to see the circumstances that are clearly evil, not to bow at the name of Jesus. Is anybody here? Is anybody here? Thought I was seeing a vision. All right, walking in the Spirit isn't trying to be a good person. If you walk in the Spirit, you will be a good person because it's the fruit of the Spirit that's manifest in your life. It's not your struggle. I did an act of kindness. I don't do kind acts. The Spirit working through me is kind every day. The fruit, it just naturally over bubbles in my life. Haven't you noticed? I'm not trying to develop my character. I have the character of Christ. I have the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not trying to be a better person. I am already. I cannot be improved upon. I am a child of God. I really am. I have access to all heavenly things. I live under an open heaven, and I am a dispenser everywhere I go of heavenly favor. Can I get an amen? All right, listen. Walking in the Spirit is walking in the Spirit. Wasn't that awesome? Let me say it again. Walking in the Spirit is walking in the Spirit. If you started with a spiritual new birth, how stupid would it not be to continue in Him? You didn't get born again to just be normal. You didn't get born again to just go on and live some mediocre life. You got born again to be a child of God. You got born again to live out of the kingdom, to live out of another realm. And you've got to be ridiculously familiar with it. What happened to Peter was, Peter got out of the boat and suddenly he was realizing he was more dominated by his flesh than he was by the life of Christ. He was more dominated by his experiences that I've been in this lake all my life. I know everything about this lake. We don't walk on water. This is pretty crazy. Look, 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 look. Say Jesus. 
Walking in the Spirit is, you're going to be profound, you ready? What is it? It's walking in the Spirit. Do you know how to walk in the Spirit? Glad you asked that question. Every day, living out of the new birth that God has won for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, from the Amplified Bible. For we walk by faith, not by sight. That's what most translations are pretty simple. And that's true. We walk by faith and not by sight. Or not by your senses. Right? They say senses. It's things you can see and you can hear and you can feel. We don't walk by that. When you walk in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit is nonsense. So if you're not trying and working and living in day after day, your life being nonsense, you're not walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is unexplainable sometimes to the senses. I'm standing on water, for goodness sake. This makes no sense exactly. Walking in the Spirit is being run by, ruled by, governed by the kingdom of heaven. Which means it can rule and dominate over this realm. And you have been granted freely access to the kingdom. Are you guys thinking or are you just balancing your checkbooks? Okay, okay. See, so we regulate our lives and we conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. Set your mind on things above. Don't set your mind on Jesus. Set your mind on things above where Jesus is seated. There are things above. There are tools. There are things above that you can demand and have access to and bring into expression in your life. You're walking in the Spirit. You're seeing in the Spirit. You're hearing in the Spirit. You're bringing the full-blown manifestation of God's kingdom. And why? Because I've been born from above. I have a new DNA. I'm a new life. I have access to the heavenly realms. I'm seated with Him in heavenly places. I operate out of His kingdom and His power and His authority. I am pretty awesome. And we got to know who we are. I regulate my whole life based on this conviction. My relationship with God, divine things, with trust and holy fervor. I walk not by sight or by appearance. Galatians 5, 9, a little leaven, a slight inclination to error over a few false teachers leavens the whole lump. It perverts the whole conception of faith and it misleads the whole church. This was the apostle Paul so concerned with the church in Galatia. And he was concerned with, you started in the spirit and now you're walking in the flesh who cut you off who bewitched you you had a fantastic beginning you were walking on the water to jesus and all of a sudden you went, i can't do this and there's so much religion out there there's so much false doctrine out there there's churches that don't believe that god wants to heal you today how ridiculous is that shut their doors a little leaven messes with the whole thing but thank God the kingdom is like leaven. And when the kingdom gets in, it's supernaturally going to permeate everything. It's going to increase. It's going to boil over in every way. Caroline Leaf, she said, all thinking is active. All thinking is actively real. All right. Recent research has shown that there is an optimism bias wired into our brains. It seems that we are wired for love. In other words, we are wired to expect good things for ourselves. We are wired for the positive. 
She said this, she said, and science is showing that meditating on the elements of Jesus' teachings rewires healthy new circuits in the brain. You start to rewire, you start to restructure your subconscious realm, so suddenly the crazy things God asks you to do, you got a support structure for, and you're ready to do it. You're ready to prophesy, you're ready to declare, you're ready to lay hands on the sick, you're ready to go for it with bold expectation because you've rewired your subconscious realm and you're not living in a sense of dualism. Your conscious mind and your subconscious mind are one. I have the mind of Christ. And we walk in that reality. Because we are made in God's image, Genesis 1, 26, and have the mind of Christ, our normal state is one of perfection. Oh my goodness. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every argument and every high thing that sells itself against the knowledge of God, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Carl, no, to the obedience of Christ. See, I'm subjecting all of my thinking to the finished work of Christ. I'm subjecting every thought that I have to the finished work of the cross. I'm subjecting everything not to my obedience. I'm not trying to obey. I'm leaning into the fact that he obeyed and his obedience has worked for me as well. What he did, substitution, he didn't just die for my sins he died for my obedience he didn't just die so that I could live in eternity he died so I could live right now that I could be a living breathing walking tabernacle of his glory and his honor is there anybody here all right I got to wrap this up I really do but here the word captive captivity it means to lead away at spear point when you get a word that comes to you you're you're listening to me preach and you're resisting it you got other thoughts coming in no no it says take those thoughts captive it means to take it at spear point and say get out of my life where doubt and fear would come in and try to choke you from saying nothing is impossible to them that believe do you hear me? Have you got an anything that you need to see God move in? Anything has to bow to the name of Jesus Christ and anything is possible to them who have that strong belief system supported in their life and they believe, will God do it? Absolutely. But he wants to partner with us and we got to grow deep in the revelation so nothing will shake us from the full revelation of what God wants to do. All right. Any bondage is a house of thoughts. Any bondage, it's a house of thoughts. It's the circumstance, the behavior, it's the substance is not your problem. It's the way you think is your problem. Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. All of those chapters about the good news, all of those chapters about salvation, all of those chapters about the glories and wonderful gospel of grace, he wraps it up by saying, now think right about this stuff. Be transformed now in the renewing of your mind so that all these wonderful things I've told you about, that they would become substantial in your life and you would walk in the reality of it because the earth is groaning for a manifestation of the sons of God. So really quickly, you ready? There's two things you got to do. Two things you got to do. Get the word of God in you. Let it dwell in you richly. Let the word of God rewrite all the negative stuff that's put on you in your head. Get the right word. Get the right revelation. Get it pushing back. Get your subconscious. Meditate. Meditate. Get your subconscious fully saturated with the word of God. The right word of God. Not the word of Fred, Bob, or Sue, or anybody else the word of God let the Holy Spirit speak to you it says and go to Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 Joshua 1 verse 8 the word of the law shall not depart from your mouth but meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do all that's in it then you make your way prosperous then you are the one you get to change your world who's going to make your way prosperous you are who's going to make your way move and power and authority and good success you are you are you see we got the words of Christ we got the words of Jesus John 6 63 it is the spirit who gives life the flesh profits nothing 
The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So you got Jesus speaking to you. You got the words of Christ. It says they're going to send you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. All right, we're wrapping up, wrapping up. The last thing is in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And how are you filled with, what do you do when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? You sing, you speak, and you sing. You speak, and you sing. When you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, speak and sing. Why do you need to speak and sing? Because speaking and singing will push back on your subconscious. And speaking and singing, the words and purposes, that's why listening to good preaching and standing and worshiping, what you're doing is you're rewiring yourself to align yourself with His Spirit so that you won't walk in the flesh, but you'll walk in the Spirit because you're changing your subconscious mind. Now you're going to get pushback from your subconscious mind because your past, past information, past experiences, they're going to rise up and they're going to say no, but you've got to push back on that hardcore and you've got to say no. I'm going to operate out of a new operational system because God has called me to something new today and I've got a responsibility to bring it into manifestation in the name of Jesus. Now,